So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 360th episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 360 consecutive weeks that we have been doing this ridiculously stupid fucking podcast. I'm your host, Court, the guy who's only partially responsible for this, although it's more like a 75-25 split with my co-host, Matt. Oh my god, what the fuck are we doing here? Within five more weeks, someone will have enough episodes to listen to one episode of Cinema PsyOps every day and still have the weekly podcast keeping up with them. God damn, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and also terrifying that this is 360 consecutive weeks of our lives. Yeah. We've yeah. done this. We've done this all the time. <laughs> well, only one of us has done this all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've, I, You've had to have a few guest hosts on, on some moments. <laughs> I had to do a few things where I threw shit together and called it an episode or just yeah. put a bunch of music out on the feed and said it was an episode but yes i put something out every week yeah yeah that's uh that's that's true um my bad uh either i was sick or you know had a mentally life. insane <laughs> or had a life or something else came up <laughs> some shit <laughs> forced to muck out an existence in a capitalistic fucking nightmare but we're not getting into that this week i swear um, yeah right please don't i'm already fucking just beaten <laughs> Yeah, I apologize for my voice being in Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Unless you find it like really hot, then you're welcome, everyone. Actually, it is kind of hot. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah, well, the wife has been cooped up for far too long since her knee injury, and she was begging and pleading to get out and do things and have more of a life. Because apparently, being stuck with me reenacting Kathy Bates' best moments in misery <laughs> is not yeah, something yeah. that she wants. Well, let me just tell you something, Mister Man. <laughs> right, there's only so many times that you can handle Court Sayoff screaming. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car before you, before you beg and plead to see other people. <laughs> and we did. We even saw each other yesterday. Well, Jesus. yeah, twice in one weekend. And the reason that my yeah. voice is all fucked up and my sinuses are all jacked up is I spent time outside, which is not something I recommend ever doing in Nebraska ever. Dude, yeah, my eyes were all goopy this morning and everything. And I, like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> On top of the unbelievable pollutants in the air from the tire fire still burning out in, what is it, Edna or wherever the yeah, fuck that is? something like that, yeah. Yeah, there's oh. just the, the weekly whatever blows in from wherever con. else in the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it's at least in where we're at, I see constant cotton around. Although another guy who I know was like, yeah, uh, I saw on the golf. He, he's a golfer. And he was like, not everything on the golf course was just pollen, just coating the ground. I'm like, oh, that's great. Nothing but cotton and pollen flying around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my lungs, my ears, everything's all jacked up right now. And my yeah. voice is in Kathleen Turner overdrive. So please enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's going to be a good time for everyone. <laughs> but for this week, we are actually going to be talking about i'm i double checked it's the last shizumu uh grudge film or juon or, or however you want to uh, phrase it so yeah. this is the last one that we got for shizumu at least for the foreseeable future i don't know if he's ever going to come back to the genre or not and i don't I, from what i could check it doesn't look like he does any producerial stuff i think he just kind of was done with this one and oh. this definitely feels like sort of an ending of the story like this is it yeah with this i one. can see that yeah, so I, I don't I don't really like blame him for not coming back if that was the decision why. No, this this felt like a, a really 
good creepy end to this series to this story yeah absolutely and we will get into it a lot more but uh this is i can't wait because this this is good shit this is literally the first in the series after we've gone through four of them so far for the juan films this is the first one to really kind of vary from the type of story that the other films were other the other films continued building on each other and i think i said last week that they continue with this one as well apparently i have not seen this one before and i thought i did okay i must be confusing juan Curse and Curse 2 with some of the things that happened in this one. Um, or maybe I read about it in Fangoria as a kid and kind of knew the storyline. Because you were asking me about this at your little yeah. cookout get-together, and I th- I vaguely remembered some stuff about it. And I was sure that I had watched this, but I don't... Th- I'm positive now that I've gone and actually watched it for the show that I had not seen this one before. Hmm. But the parts of the storyline were very familiar to me, so I wonder if maybe I caught pieces of it on cable because I remember a lot of the stuff. There's some schoolgirl... Um, frights in this one that I I vaguely remembered seeing. So I think I've only caught parts of it before watching this week. And I had said something about how they continue to ratchet up and they continue to ratchet up. And we will see whether or not my feelings are that they did in fact continue to ratchet up while watching this film or not. Because my memory of watching it is clearly not as clear as I thought it was because I'm positive I haven't seen all of it, only pieces of it before. It feels ratchet up to me. (laughs) Way to spoil it in that one, man. I was trying to I was, trying to build, I was trying to build a little bit of suspense, and yet here you are once again, prematurely ejaculating your feelings all over everyone. I'm very mature, actually. There's nothing premature about me. I'm very mature. It's very <laughs> mature. I'm a very mature person. <laughs> yes, because everyone I've ever met who is really stable and a genius and mature has to constantly tell us that they are. I'm very mature. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very, very bigly, bigly mature. <laughs> I'm the most mature person you'll ever meet. Believe I, me. Believe me. I'm the most mature. And I have all these beautiful words. Well, while Matt comes to terms with the fact that he's bagging on Donald Trump, apparently, with everything that he's doing here, we're going to go ahead and take the break. This week, once again, all-female-fronted Japanese bands. God, I just want that all the time now. <laughs> I don't know if I can continue doing this all the time, because truth be told, I'm starting to like really have to double-dip almost. Oh, uh, yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, There's only I'm, so much. I'm just, I was just saying it because I enjoy it. It's as a ma- as many weeks, music. Yeah, as many weeks as I've been able to do this, and I've had four different different bands and i think i've only had like one or two repeats here and there i there's still a, a breadth of which that i am amazed by and all the variations of music that i've found that i've really liked but right after a special message for our owner and proprietor kevin we're gonna have our legion patreon ad and then immediately after that we'll have the five six seven eights with the barracuda hey everyone this is kevin as many of you probably have heard Bo will be heading back to school to become a teacher congratulations Bo. As such, I'll be taking over the reins, managing, and spreading the good word of Legion Podcasts. To kickstart things off, as an added thank you for patrons in June, Legion plans to have Steam Code giveaways for current Patreon backers. A random person will be picked from the Patreon every other week or twice per month, and the winners can choose from the available Steam Codes. Thank you so much for supporting Legion Podcasts. You can reach me on Twitter or the Legion Discord group. My username is at LonelyBob. See you around. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? 
not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. The five, six, seven, eights, which everyone who has ever seen Kill Bill will recognize them in a heartbeat. Maybe not by their sound, but you would definitely recognize them if you saw them playing. That was nice. I liked it. <laughs> oh, like I said, everything that we've done, all the all the Japanese music that I've been able to find, this is apparently your niche. This is your new I thing. I guess, man. I've, I've enjoyed every aspect of it. <laughs> it's good to be good. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's activated every little bit of your hyper fixations. Yes, it really has. I'm just like, goddamn, it's good shit. <laughs> Well, why don't we Party. give the folks what they really want for good shit in the review for Juan the Grudge 2. Juan the Grudge 2. Again, it'll be six stories, as it uh, always has been uh, since the inception of this thing, apparently. Of so, varying lengths, once again. Yes. But before we even get to our first story, we start with a couple that are driving down the road. The radio starts going funky. A dude jokes about a ghost phenomenon, and the lady's mad about it, and she's also mad she's an actress, and she's apparently becoming a horror queen, which is not something she was into. Uh, Boo. Yeah, right? Uh, she signed out. We know uh, they talk about how she's pregnant and when they're going to tell people, but right now she's hiding it because as an actress. All of a sudden, they think they hit something and the dude stops the car. He goes outside and he sees that he hit a cat. Uh, he leaves. He gets back in the car. And they drive away. As they drive away, the cat's body's gone. It's just a pool of blood. As they're leaving, all of a sudden, they look down uh, and in between the guy's legs as he's driving, there is Toshio, the goes to Toshio. He grabs the wheel and the car crashes. Uh, They're both injured and like she has blood running down her legs to let you know she probably miscarried. 
Street, and we begin the movie and the first story of Kyoko after that. They make it pretty obvious because there is a spot of blood right as if like it hit her dress right away. Yeah, I didn't really think you probably needed that. Um, I think when you go heavy-handed with shit like that, it kind of takes me out of the movie. It's one of my few criticisms of this movie. I don't disagree, but sometimes you have to drive the point home so people can actually get it, and I see why you left that out of your review, and the reason that I'm mentioning it is because they really do drive the point home. I don't yeah. I don't disagree that that may have taken it too far, but I mean, she was just in a car crash. That may be what her experience was. You know, that, that's very I, probable I, that that could happen. I guess I get it. Maybe it is. Yeah, sometimes I think it's heavy-handed to go that far with it. I felt the same thing when we watched that one movie about the guy who kidnapped the girls. He raped the one, and it was she was we were supposed to see that she is a, a virgin. Oh, Megan is missing. Yeah, Megan yeah. is missing. Yes, thank you. I just for some reason wasn't getting it. So, and I always felt like I felt like it was almost too heavy-handed. Like it almost the shock factor. They tried so hard for a shock factor that it actually took me out of the movie. I wasn't shocked. I was just kind of like, uh, you know, that I mean that a little heavy-handed there, fellas. <laughs> yeah, it offended your sensibilities. I get it. We can move on. All right. All right. All right. So we start out with Kyoko is the first story. Well, we see uh, our main, this is the actress from the beginning, Kyoko. She is leaving the hospital. Um, her boyfriend is in a coma and she visits him and his parents are there and they're all very sad about the wreck, their son, the loss of their baby. Everyone's really just heartbroken. Some real uh, gut-wrenching fucking shit in this. Yeah. yeah. That's was hard to watch. I almost thought that was more effective than the blood thing. That really kind of, the, the actress who played the mother of uh, the boyfriend did a really good job of conveying some really kind of hefty shit and not over the top either. Just that's how you would think a mother would be. That kind of grieving that she does because she does kind of blame her son and then she blames herself. Yeah. And yeah, they that's... never blame her. So yeah, and, and the it... father really blames the son. Yeah. And I mean, like they really lay it on heavy and the mother is just so apologetic and just openly weeping of the son whenever she drops down and places her face basically buries it into the stomach you know yeah. of the the woman oh man it's just fucking it's rips your heart out yeah it's really yeah, and well you done. tell the father really blames the son because he's even like we're we hope you're not even more hurt by our son's like transgression or something like he really blames and you notice he blames it and this is i don't know just maybe something we don't notice but you never see the father visiting his injured son ever again yeah so i think that was like he, that was the point driving it home he brought shame yeah. on his father basically yeah yeah yeah, I think so for you know getting a car wreck. Right. Even, Sorry. Even though it was a supernatural thing or something that could yeah. happen to anybody. Yeah. I mean, even if it wasn't supernatural, car, you know, accidents happen. It's not like he was drunk or something. It yeah, it wasn't Roadhead that did this. What? Yeah, it wasn't even Roadhead that did it. Just... <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a little fucking demon child, like that always yeah. is. God damn demon children. Anyway, as she looks inside, she thinks she sees something, and she opens up the door, and there's Toshio, and he touches her stomach, and uh, then uh, disappears. Creep factor through the roof for Matt in this one, the way that he runs up and just puts his hand oh, on her tummy. God, yeah. I was just like, this whole movie is creep factor 12,000 for me. Everything... <laughs> <laughs> it's done so perfectly to creep me out. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that it had that effect on you and that it did ratchet it up for you. Awesome. Yeah, it did. So later on, she is talking, uh, Kyoko is talking to her mother and she's like, Hey, did you, did I ever have like a younger sibling? Uh, maybe that died as a child. And her mom's like, no, you, you're my only child. And she's like, oh, okay. And you can tell she's kind of sitting there and the mom goes, I bet your child would have been a baby girl. I just think that. And she actually disagrees with her 
her mom and says, no, I think it was a little boy. And that's the whole thing is she now thinks that Toshio was her the spirit of her son. So then she visits her boyfriend in a coma again. And as she's leaving, seems like she takes a wrong turn and ends up in a creepy area. Um, she hears voices saying it's your fault. And all of a sudden we see there's a girl behind her. She turns around, she screams and faints. All of a sudden a bunch of schoolgirls run in and one of them screams and someone yells cut. And we see they're on a set of one of her horror movies. Um, the, then, by over, a creepy moment is, while Kay- uh, Kayoko is just standing there, uh, one of the schoolgirl who screamed, it just stares at her, really, for an uncomfortable amount of time. So, that can't be good. That's never uh, a good sign, no. Yeah, no. And then, the schoolgirl faints. Later on, Kayoko, she stops by her doctors for an appointment and finds out she's three and a half months pregnant. Again, for some um, reason. Yeah, so that's probably not good, you know? Yeah, this doctor apparently had no fucking clue that she lost the baby because... Because he seems to think this is the same pregnancy and everything's going along fine. Yeah, right. And yikes. <laughs> Maybe that's I misinterpreted good. what was being said in the subtitles because things were going by relatively quick. But that's the sensation yeah. that I got was that he just thought this was all the yeah. same pregnancy. Yeah, uh, uh, I think that's exactly what he thought. That it was everything's coming along really well right now. And she's so sad and defeated. She just is like glad that she apparently didn't lose the baby when she thought she did. Well, you can tell at first she's shocked. She's kind of like, um, what's what's kind of going on around here? I, I don't I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, why is this happening right? Right now yeah i can see that yeah but she does really kind of accept it very quickly yeah yeah she really does like even before uh, getting up from this seat <laughs> right um yeah so she gets up and she goes back to her mom's house and she's just kind of hanging out in her room and uh, she hears her name being called uh she goes downstairs and see mom's asleep, but it's cold in the room. And she opens up the curtains to close the window, but in the window's reflections, she sees Toshio standing over her mother. Uh, she's a little freaked out, and she goes to check on her mom, and uh, she sees him again underneath like this table thing where the beds are. It's uh, Have you ever seen one of these before? Uh, No, but it's pretty traditional, I would assume. Yeah, where I would it's, assume so. Yeah, where like, you know, it's normally colder to like keep a room warm they would have the table with the blankets and then you can lay underneath it as well uh it's, yeah I, it, this utilitarian multifunctional stuff is not a shock to me because i've seen some stuff like this that is just part of the culture there and i think it's brilliant actually it's a table bed blanket combo kind of area like to just hang out yeah there ain't nothing wrong with that yeah so that's nice that's nice for everyone. Yeah, I think it's actually really fucking cool. <laughs> um, anyway, he's underneath there, and as she tries to wake her mom up, we see that her mother is dead, and that's the end of that story. It seems like this is kind of like the couch area that the mom would normally fall asleep in, but it also doubles as like the, you know, the kitchen table or like dining room table kind of thing that a mom would hang out in too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it feels like the room is almost both, and it would make sense that this would be where her mom would be. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, it, it feels like, yeah, this is where moms would uh, hang out. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just because it's such a cultural difference between what we're used to. That's the closest thing that I can kind of compare it to is that whole combination dining room slash great room area. Right. But we spend a lot of time here and a lot of people just hang out underneath this table and in this blanket and stuff. Yeah. Right. And everyone's just kind of wondering, hey, what's the what's going on here? So I would just assume that that's a very traditional 
traditional um, setting and a very traditional thing, and it's just part of the culture yeah, that we've never seen before. Because I thought it was actually pretty cool. So yeah, it, it must be like because it, the rest of the house is so traditionally decorated and styled that it just feels to me like this would be a traditional setting for that like hangout, you know, comfort area, you know, that also has a table so you can eat comfortably there as well and be warm. But it also doubles as the mom's bedroom, or at least that's where she sleeps or did until her final day. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there you go. I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> guess I'm not really sure if you want to say anything else. Again, it got creepy there. We all thought at one point, oh boy, where, where are we, uh, uh, you know, where's where's this heading? What are we doing? You know, yeah, uh, the two- especially when she left the hospital and I'm like, even put my notes like, because it looks like she's leaving the hospital, not on the movie set. And then all of a sudden what, she just took a right turn into the creepy section of the hospital. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> There's a lot of um, jumping around in time and space in this film and people walking into areas that they didn't intend to. And it feels almost like Kyoko's sort of world or that grudge curse is affecting places, you know, like that are like, like it's following the people, but it's actually like just transforming the place into her version, almost like a Silent Hill world where, you know, the rust comes up and everybody, everything's transformed into the nightmare realm you know yeah it does that a couple times in the movie and this is kind of the first hint at it but what we're actually seeing is toshio has been bound to this woman and just been following her every step of the way and yeah doing all we're gonna see how because yeah again this story jumps in time right but the interesting part about it though is the characters are actually experiencing it now where part of their existence is actually shown as to what i was suspecting it was going to be in the last film we're actually shown that that what one of the victims actually experiences as a ghost right we're actually shown what it is yeah yeah and it's 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 a new way for all these victims to what we're seeing from their side of it of how they are haunted i guess yeah how they become a haunting presence how they end up unwittingly marking the next person near them by passing the curse on all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't quite make sense at the start of the film because everything seems like this is a very specific targeting that is happening. And it's very specifically like this actress has basically just been an anchor point and they're hunting everyone around her. Yeah. And then the pregnancy. But we don't know how she became this anchor point. You know, you don't even know because we've always seen how everyone else has become an anchor point. Right. But it definitely has something to do with this pregnancy that's mysteriously there after she miscarried from the car accident. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air as far as what they're trying to do storytelling wise. And I think we hit all those main points while also obsessing over that table bed combo thing that we're both trying to figure out how to design ourselves. I I know, right? I want that in my life right now. That's that's just a cool little thing to have. (laughs) (laughs) Table bed blanket combo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is just convenient. (laughs) We can move on to the next story, man. All right. Tomoka is a young lady reading lines for a television show uh, about murder and everything. What I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what she is she's going to be the host for this super uh this supernatural tv show or paranormal tv show it's basically a ghost hunters but they interview famous people while they're doing it yeah exactly well while she's doing this uh she keeps hearing this banging on her wall and as she's like getting close to the wall kind of listening to it uh all of a sudden her cup spills over on the table onto her notes and script and she's kind of freaked out by it uh the next day she's talking to the makeup slash hairdresser person and they're all talking about how their special guest is going to be the the queen of horror herself Kyoko and that how you know she'll be the co-host or you know whatever uh, guest star 
There you go. Uh, <laughs> sure. They're trying to find words. Um, <laughs> words are tough when tired. Yeah, right. Uh, that night, she gets home, back to her home, and she sees this, like, shadow figure standing in her living room. She thinks it's her boyfriend, but she looks down and doesn't see his shoes at the door. I just want to point out that he's too far up to the ceiling to be standing anywhere, but she thinks he's just standing somewhere. Yeah, 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 that's... Uh, that's exactly it. Uh, uh, that's that's exactly it, unfortunately. Um, so she looks back up and no one's there. And she's like, ah, oh, she must have seen something. Turns on the lights and she just goes about her night. The Later whole time her- the score is just slowly ratcheting up the tension yeah. of what's happening in that room. Yep, yep, yep. Um, her boyfriend does show up and, you know, they're talking. And she wants him to hear this knocking that she keeps hearing. And he's like, oh, you know, we're not hearing anything. He's kind of bored. But she's like... Wait, it, ha- it doesn't happen until about 12.30. And then finally he starts hearing it. And uh, he gets a little freaked out by it. Uh, because, you know, he can hear it as well. Well, the next day, she and Kyoko, they're actually driving to film at the place. And she's excited. And Kyoko's kind of just, you would tell, not all that into having to be doing this. But it's just what life is for her right now. She's eye-rolling left and right. Yeah. And just is accepting her fate because at least it's making her money. Yeah, right. Uh, but she's also being very nice to her at the same time. Yeah, she's not so, condescending. She's not talking no. shit or anything. It's just you can tell you she doesn't tell want to one, do it. You just tell one person's way more excited about this than the other. Which is usually how it goes, especially when the one person is more famous and doesn't want to be the horror queen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When this is not the genre she wants to be a part of. Which I don't understand. I just It doesn't compute. I'm sorry. I don't get it. It <laughs> does not compute. <laughs> Danger. Later on, while she's driving, her boyfriend tries to call her, but the line gets interrupted and also we hear is the, the death rattle. For lack of a better word, that's what I'm calling it now. The death rattle of Kaiko. And you're like, oh, this ain't going to go well for him. <laughs> it's nice to be able to actually hear it every time it shows up in the score and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it ratchets up the, the fear, too, as well. <laughs> yeah, it's really well done. Yeah. So he then later on that night gets back to her place and he goes in, all the lights are on, and you see her sitting on the floor and she looks to distraught and so he sees her he's like oh hey and then as he's gonna walk into the living room to talk to her uh all of a sudden uh, uh he gets a phone call and it's her going hey where are you what are you doing where, where, where are you at right now and then the phone line cuts out all of a sudden the apartment's dark no lights on and he's alone that is uh that's some creepy stuff <laughs> this is some of the jumping in space time that we were kind of talking about where we hinted that that seemed to be what was happening in the last film and this film is flat out telling you yes time and space do not apply to this curse once you're taken you will get visions of what basically will happen to your death until you get it yeah as he's kind of freaked out and hearing things all of a sudden we see hair come down behind him then we cut to tomoka she is getting home and she sees him standing here in his shadow much like she did before uh she is like oh you know there he is and she gets there and he is hanging he is hung and he is dead and it is creepy (laughs) we do kind of see him get hung by the hair too and pulled out and yeah we knew that he was getting hung by that hair yeah but we just just to say it out there for the folks that may be listening to this and not have seen it he actually we watch him get hung by the hair and then the hair is still there all across the ceiling when she comes in and sees him and it's absolutely horrifying oh my god it (laughs) is so sad you wouldn't think that it would be like the description of it like when i'm telling you that there's hair all over the ceiling and he's hanging from a knot of hair that's tied around him from the ceiling dead yeah 
and he's rocking back and forth when she comes in and sees him and like the realization of what it is that she has seen and what that means and where she is now a plate across that actress's face in this sequence is so fucking heartbreaking that Uh even though part of me is like that's stupid it's just hair across the ceiling that's so fucking dumb even though that is the case that I have that knee jerk reaction the way the actress plays it I'm like yeah of course if this is what you came home to you'd be terrified yeah you would and it is I mean also her I mean just scary and his eyes are scary because it comes to the light and then his body starts knocking against the the wall making the thump noise he then internally his feet hit a cup that spills over and then she remembers when her cup spilled over even though nothing touched it um then all of a sudden we see it's toshio and he's pushing the body against the wall with glee this is the first time we actually see some kind of sadism in what they do yeah especially him uh usually you don't see that kind of thing no no and this is kind of the first movie where you see some indication that maybe it is a knowing thing and is making some kind of intelligent plan yeah exactly and so we see that uh freaky as that is all of a sudden you look at the ceiling and the mat of hair is all spread out and we see kayoko's face in the ceiling then the hair grabs and hangs tomika and then she's hung and dies and then her body starts floating and they're both their bodies are hitting the wall making the thumping sound that she heard before time means nothing here and we but we do see the time is 12 27 right when it usually always happens that's the end of that story it's interesting that when we see them earlier and they're both at the apartment and examining the noise banging and everything the yep. ones that make him jump and fall back are the ones where he's holding the wall and it's where his body was hitting the wall and that terrifies him otherwise yeah. he's okay then yep. the things that really terrify her and make her jump are the noises that were her body hitting it and that's actually what she hears first she hears her body even though she died second the first time and then when they're doing it with him he hears his body and then she hears what's hers while they're being haunted and then see the actual case of what happened so the film is playing this really predictive threat at these folks to like if they can sort of figure out what this haunting means with the knocking or whatever you know then maybe they'll be okay is what it feels like in this one like Mm -hmm. the rules even feel like they have shifted where it is more of an intelligence that is toying with people and torturing them almost yeah yeah it does feel like they are definitely being but then they don't even know they're being tortured a lot of times because while it's freaky it's nothing directly hurting them until it's far too late well no it's a setup for the reveal which is the horrific thing of the fate that they can't change that they were being warned about and they just didn't realize that's it's that's the most sadistic part of it that makes me think some intelligence is planning this oh yeah I, i agree some there is some intelligence to this this is not just an echo yeah i didn't see that in the other films i didn't think that that was the case i could see where you could make that argument in the last film more that it was more intelligent and had a bit more of a plan and in this one it very clearly has a plan and is very intelligent and very sadistic it definitely it's scary as shit yeah they've gone full fucking evil in this one with the ghosts like they are this isn't just about vengeance anymore this is just thrill-seeking fucking sadism yeah right it's yeah it's some fucking horrific way by the way thanks dude originally for causing this again bang up job with your toxic masculinity (laughs) we can move on to the next story 
Alright, so the next story is Megami. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Well, we see hairdresser and makeup lady Megami. She's working on Kayoko's hair. Uh, and they're talking about uh, all the the scary movies that they've all worked on, that, that Kayoko's worked on, and all the paranormal investigative stuff that uh, that Megami has worked on as the makeup and hairdresser. You know, two different worlds, but also kind of the same world. And then they start talking about this house and that it's just kind of bad things happened here. Uh, there's a spot, a stain on the room floor. The room they're getting ready, we all see it's the murder house. This is now how they're all brought together. And this is how the curse is passed to them. The the paranormal investigation is the murder house. Which we kind of uh, knew was going to be the case. Yeah, but I like, mean, you kind of knew where this was coming. Right, right. You knew that's where they were going to be, but the film was just kind of edging you to get there. Yeah, exactly. I love the fucking full-fledged reveal of the murder house that they do too where they sweep through it right as soon as you realize where you are right from that fucking stain that's really well shot oh yeah yeah and then she yeah again looks at the stain and you're like oof and she's creeped out by that stain um anyway later the director kazuki he comes up gets kayoko and they do shoot where you know we see uh we see tamako and she's you know doing her hosting thing talks about the house talks about what happened to the family and how the son is still missing uh uh, but, you know, it talks about the husband killed the mother, all that. As they are walking down the stairs, which is, you know, usually where we see Keiko crawling down. As they crawl down the stairs, one of the sounds guys like, holy shit. You know, we uh, I got some weird sound, and they determine it's coming from Kyoko's. Yeah, not, not Kyoko, it's uh, Kyoko. Kyoko, Ky- yes. Kyoko, yeah. We, I mean, we have two. It's very similar, same. Here. Yeah, it sounds very yeah. similar. You're not wrong. Um, So, dying here. Okay, so they're all in a break, and everyone's kind of talking. And like, I know I got that. One of the, 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 the sound guys like, I know I got that on, like, on tape, so we'll be checking it out. And uh, Kyoko is sitting there talking to uh, Megumi, and... Megumi asked, do you do, do they do exorcisms before your scary movies? And, and Kyoko's like, yeah, we do them before and after. So I don't think they mean the type of exorcisms we know of. Maybe that's just how the translation is. But it sounds like almost like they do a blessing. Uh, well, it's still like to cleanse the spirits, like to cleanse yeah. the area of spirits for them to be able to produce whatever it is that they're making. Just because it's a darker subject matter. It's a it's similar to a blessing, I would assume. Yeah, but it is to get rid of spirits. They're just trying to cl- yeah. get them out of the way so that they can make even the if it's just a scary movie it's that's what they're doing yeah <laughs> i would imagine that anybody would do the cleansing of the spirits but the reason that they're bringing this up is to point out that this show doesn't do that so therefore yeah. whatever spirits hook onto these people while they're here they're taking them with them that's what yeah the because that is what megumi t- says is that we don't do exorcisms anytime and then she's like that's why i have these and she has a bunch of charms little charm bags on her keys no that's her phone it's like a bunch of fucking charms hanging off of her cell phone oh, yeah off her phone i'm sorry off her, yeah phone keys phone it's um, an old school flip like razor looking fucking yeah, thing yeah too. right well it's this is 2003 so i mean I'm, I'm assuming that's just how it's gonna look yeah that was a high-tech uh, fucking phone for back then yeah yeah right remember back then the smaller the phone the more fucking in you were um <laughs> basically yeah before so, they realized you could watch porn on the screen and then they got big again then it's like holy shit we gotta open up the screens because <laughs> we gotta know this um anyway as they talk even then the uh megumi even congratulates 
uh, Kyoko on her pregnancy, and Kyoko's like, oh, no one really knew, and she goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman, I can tell these things, uh, but I think it's to let us know that, um, she knows how to, she, she has extra sensory perception. Yeah, she can totally sort of gleam certain things just by looking at people and she's also yeah. more open which is why the stain is probably bugging the hell out of her because she already knows why it's there and it's not just because this is a murder house that she knows why it's there she just can sense it and that's why it feels wrong to her yeah she actually gives Kyoko one of her charms and Kyoko thanks her it's very nice she the, the, again it's something that Kyoko you can tell is a very nice person and she's even feels she even feels like it's not even like a fake thank you she's actually truly genuinely grateful for her giving her that charm and then the director comes over and asks Mugami she goes hey you see things can you sense anything about this house and that kind of pisses her off so she gets up and leaves um well he as, does kind of talk down to her and is kind of yeah. trying to make himself seem cooler to the big actress while he's doing it I think so and it's also a little condescending like he doesn't actually believe in any of this shit it's just how he makes money so he's like yeah don't you sense things almost kind of like I, I know it's horse shit it's all horse shit yeah, there's that too. And I've been guilty of treating people like that, so I won't comment. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, as kind of she's, uh, Kyoko's just kind of sitting there alone and she spills her drink. And as she cleans it, all of a sudden we see behind her uh, a very much alive Toshio and Kyoko. You know, not looking like the scary person, but looking like they were supposed to be. Um, you can see them. It's probably their last day when it was just the two of them yeah. and they were just being happy mother and daughter exactly. and son. And it's just that repeating cycle thing that I was talking about. And that's where the spirits are at this point until she spills yeah. the drink. And then that's when Toshio turns around and takes notice of her. You actually yeah, see his head spin. That's right. That is true. And then as she bends down, she's cleaning it up. She rises back up. He's right behind her still looking very normal not you know the death guy he looks like now the only difference is that he still has that like dead behind the eyes stare that he does yeah. it's just oh, that he's looking at her scary. yeah with that stare but also as a normal quote-unquote dressed little boy yeah so uh anyway uh then we see megumi she kind of gets a feeling in her gut something's happening and she looks behind her uh, she looks like over towards where kyoko is she doesn't see anything but you can tell she feels something's there well and he was reaching out for her as she was standing up so clearly he yeah. got a hold of her and that's what she felt around her stomach yeah uh well later on that night after everything's been done uh they're getting ready the director and Mugami are the last two in the house and she's like oh i i totally forgot something and the director she has to run up back to the room and she runs up back up there but she just can't stop staring at that goddamn stain and as she stared then we cut back to the director he goes into one of the other rooms of the house he finds the photo of mom dad son without mom's head in it and then also uh finds a diary and it's a di kyoko's diary you know where she kind of wrote everything about the secret love she had um and then uh it, it's all that kind of stuff well he drops it and he leaves she finally comes down but she is heavily disturbed so she just walks out even though he's like did you grab what you needed to and then she's just gone and he's like okay fine um <laughs> they get back to the uh main offices she's putting stuff away in the makeup room uh he's gonna start editing everything and he's watching everything and we see he's he's asleep at his desk while this while the film's going and we're now 
about the part where they're walking down the stairs. And at one point, you the camera's looking at it, and it's no longer Kyoko standing there. It's it's Kaiko. And that's when you and, hear the death rattle noise come over, yeah. and that's what makes the sound yeah. man jump. You hear that death rattle, and it's scary as shit because you see her there distorted. After that happens, when the camera guy, because the camera guy flips, the camera man went down. Well, that's where the shot ends, is looking down a hallway, and all of a sudden, more and more, we see Toshio walking out from the shadows, and he walks right up to where the camera is, and almost like he's going to come out of the camera itself, or uh, the TV itself, when the director wakes up and all the screens go black. Yeah, that was fucking creepy as shit. Yeah, that... Well, I was just like, okay, no, stop. I, I'm not liking this. I'm not for it. I'm not into things crawling out of TV screens when I'm looking at them. If I'm looking at something on a TV screen, I, I assume that it's far away from me and can't touch me. And I don't like the idea that those things can crawl through. <laughs> so therefore, the ring was a special kind of uncomfortable for you. The ring was pretty uncomfortable. I was not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was a fan, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. Um, I got you, fam. <laughs> So, uh, now we go back to the makeup room. And you could tell Megumi is, is, is feeling something. I know I'm mispronouncing her now, butchering the shit, but I'm, I'm at that point. Um, <laughs> we're trying here, folks. We're trying. We're trying, folks. Uh, she feels something's off. And then, like, she, like, there's like a changing room sheet, you know, a sheet where somebody could change behind and it's moving. And then one of the wigs falls on the floor and she picks up the wig and she goes in that room and she sees a stain on the floor. And then all of a sudden she knows is the wig is growing and she drops the wig and she falls on the floor right where the stain is and is almost sitting just how that stain is in what she saw in the house and then all of a sudden she flashes to Kaeko how Kaeko was like leaning up against a wall and just kind of rattling in that plastic bag dying or or already dead and that was freaky Uh, and then she snaps back and she is now covered in blood and is bleeding and she doesn't even know how and then all of a sudden Kaeko Kaeko crawls and grows from that wig. Um, and you're just like, holy shit. And Kayako lunges after her and then attacks her. And that's the end of that story. It takes a long time for us to get to legit, just over the top horror that like this series had been doing pretty regularly before in every yeah. movie. Like we have a long time of character building stuff and a lot of build up and a lot of general ethereal spooky stuff. And I don't mind that stuff. It's just that like I was like, oh man, I you know make with the fucking really creep factor of of her crawling out of stuff or not everything and the people hanging from the hair was pretty close, but I was still like, man, come on, make with the spooky. Come on, scare the shit out of me. And then this sequence happens and it's just like one after another of her being transported and basically knowing and feeling what Kayoko was feeling in those last moments and the death rattle of what the stain is. And, you know, basically it's just where her body came to rest and that's where all the blood pulled up on the floor below her (laughs) or slowly dripped out of the plastic sheeting and bags that she was in while she sat there on that floor, which is new. This is a new thing that they've added just for this specific series but every time they expand what may have happened to her or something that represents a moment of her death it just makes it that much more horrific and you just kind of go back through the litany of stuff you've already seen of what happened to her body before and after her death yeah 
<laughs> and, I was just like, oh my God. I mean, what are we doing around here? Yeah, and it cuts I mean, to the really grainy footage when they show her and she's like either dying or like that's just like the breath escaping her body after she's gone and just the body settling or whatever it is. That that moment in that grainy footage where it just cuts to a vision that we're seeing, that we're yeah. being subjected to, you really get a lot of victims' views of like the things that they're being forced to see before they go and, and that kind of stuff. And it's this way of doing these deaths that also points me towards a knowing, intelligent thing that is causing this. Because they're trying to tell their story while at the same time forcing people to be subjected to it this time around. It doesn't just feel like someone getting caught in the cycle. This is someone... No, this is yeah. this is something like, we suffered this and now others have to suffer if they come in contact with this home. Yeah, and it does or, get a little bit more... Or if they more... come in contact with someone who's been in contact with the home. Yeah, or if you're just around when that person dies because we've seen that a million times too but it also yeah. feels like the curse is getting even more powerful every time like all this different stuff like it's coming for people that were there for an afternoon in very brutal and horrifying ways but then it's also killing people around them just because for whatever reason it's anchored and we know it's the pregnancy let's 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 not mince words it's yeah. somehow anchored to the pregnancy which is even more terrifying because everybody is terrified of the fact that this woman is pregnant with what is she pregnant with yeah and and whew, and that's that's just as bad uh yeah holy cow yeah and but now we finally got some ramped up horror here oh yeah when she crawls out of the wig and just the way that the wigs were set up and they were all like smoothed out and just kind of sitting facing backwards and some of them you could see in the mirror where it was just on the wig stand kind of thing that they would be sitting on and Mm -hmm. you could see in some of the mirrors that it was just a wig stand and then some of the hair was already like perfect and combed out on the wigs so like when she would go past one of those and you couldn't see that it was you know in the mirror that it was just a wig stand you were just waiting for something to happen like, yeah like clocking every single wig and any hair that's in that room you're also trying to like keep an eye on at the same time yeah right and you're just like oh my god what's happening around here yeah then the whole time they're building up the the suspense with the score in the background and just doing subtle noises and things like that and when it finally pops off it just continues to get more and more insane and then they throw in that whole time shifting vision thing that starts happening and the way that they build on what's been happening in this series it all works it's all pretty believable and when you finally yeah. get to see Keiko take somebody it's absolutely horrifying and i was horrified when she finally took this poor lady this is the one i was and you almost feel bad worse for this poor lady because she could because she does have this extra sense it almost is more terrifying for her than for a normal person. Yeah. Well, and the interesting way that they did it too, where um, this time Kyoko's moving, they actually like stop motion animated her. Did you notice that where there's like skipping yeah. frames and it, it jumps a little bit where her yep. motion is even more uh, like supernatural. And I don't know if they filmed her backwards or what it is that they did, but I also noticed that the actress is pointing her elbows out in a way and turning her hands backwards when she's walking. So it makes her look like she's even more broken as she's crawling along. <laughs> I told you, she gets better every time and I must have just I had to have seen clips of her taking this lady or something because I this is what I was talking about was this sequence and the way she's moving because you were not wrong that was maybe the most horrific I've ever seen her. That is the creepiest. That is the, the, oh, it was just unbelievably bad. And I hated it, <laughs> but I loved it at the same time. Like, <laughs> damn. 
When you say bad, you mean like it's too effective. When I say for bad, you. I mean good. Yeah, but I mean still. Yeah, it was. Ooh, it was not something you want to get stuck in. <laughs> no, and this was just really quite brief. You see her crawling along after people for much longer sequences, where she's sort of weirdly animated, or they skip frame it, or they do something to it to make it just feel more supernatural and otherworldly. And when they do that later on in the sequence, it's so much more horrifying. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We can move on to the next story. I'm good. All right, Keizuki. So Keizuki was the director of the show. Well, anyway, uh, this story begins. Uh, Kayoko, she's at home, and her mom's memorial is up. Uh, but then she sees mom sleeping in her same spot, and that kind of creeps her out. Then later on, she's visiting her boyfriend, Manshisi, and she drops the charm that was given to her. And when she goes to pick it up, he grabs her arm. He is now awake. He is in a wheelchair and is mute, but awake. Uh, at one point, they're alone with one another, and she asks him, Oh, God, yeah, what are we going to do about our, our pregnancy? What should I do about this? And when he hears the pregnancy, he starts to flip out. He shakes. Nope, he doesn't make he, any he, noise. He just shakes. He, that doesn't happen until she puts his hand on her stomach, and it's almost like he senses something wrong. Oh, yeah. Something, yeah, yeah. But she still says that to him, but he reacts badly to this pregnancy. Yeah, only reacts badly once he actually touches her stomach. So it may not be so much the pregnancy, but something's happening when he touches her stomach that That's is triggering true. him to shake like that. That could be. Well, there's something we get shown later on that I'm trying to point out that that's what it is oh. without saying. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, when it actually gets here, it's the it's going to be bad for him. <laughs> um, later on, the director visits her uh, and tells her after the location shoot, she got in her car wreck. And, and she goes, yeah, that's right. And he goes, well, after that, they found the journalist. They found her hanging with her boyfriend. And she's like, oh, my God. And then he goes, and now the makeup lady, we heard a scream in the makeup room. I went to go check it out. She's gone. And uh, we can't find her. And also the cameraman and sound guy are both missing as well. So anybody associated with this is probably dead already, except for those two. Yep. So not good. Uh, later on, he drives her home, and as they're walking up to the front door, they see the makeup lady. Uh, she looks, and then she goes through the door, and she enters into Kayoko's house. Uh, he tries to go up to the door, but it's locked. Uh, they both go inside, and they go looking for her. As he's looking, he sees her, uh, kind of in the shadows, and she's holding the book up to him. Like, to hand him a book, and we see it's that diary. And then all of a sudden, she, like, almost waddles up real fast to him, and we see her face, and that scared the fuck out of me. He closed his eyes, and she did the normal ghost thing, where as soon as he opened them up, she's right there. Yeah, that, whew! What's the scariest fucking... Oh, my God. That's I'm going to have fun sleeping tonight with that one. Well, And then the, the movie does a jump cut where the guy jumps back in fear and she's gone. And then the book just drops out of nowhere yeah. in the middle of the air. Oh, Kyoko comes down and uh, they talk about it. And she's like, so what is this? He goes, I saw this at the house. It's the, the woman's diary. And then they investigate more about this woman and the murders. And as they're looking through pictures, Kyoko sees uh, a picture of Toshio and she gets really scared because she knows that's who she's been seeing shades uh, of the other movies revisited right here yeah so uh later on he's making copies of the diary pages and then all of a sudden the copier makes the death rattle noise and he looks and he's like holy shit 
not good because it's just her face getting larger and larger with each page. So he unplugs it. And I would be like, that's enough for me. I'm not using copiers anymore. Hope everyone's happy. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. But at the same time, you're like, oh, man, really? Is this what they're going to do? And then yeah. they hold on it. And then you're like, oh, come on. And then it's just spitting out black paper. And while they're spitting out the black paper, my first thought is like, man, that's a lot of toner wasted that they're doing. Right. This. Jesus Christ, man. A lot of toner. Oh, look at all the paper they're wasting. Jesus, what's going on here, fellas? (laughs) But as it slowly gets to reveal the face and then it finally starts moving the face faster, it does get creepy for me, but it it took a little long to get there is what I'm getting at. A little longer for you to get there? Yeah. For me, it it was there. Um, (laughs) Well, you're already like tense as fuck. This film's working on you, clearly. Yeah, well, all these films did. Yeah, <laughs> this 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 whole series is. There was a little more hit or miss stuff for me in this one, and the photocopier thing was more missed than hit, unfortunately. Uh, it's uh, it's happens. fine. It happens. They, they swung for the fences, and it just didn't, you know, work yeah. for me. But I'm glad it worked for you, man. Oh yeah, it totally worked for me. That's awesome. So, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, goddamn, it worked for me big time. Okay, so we cut back to Kyoko, and she is asleep at that table thing, but she's like actually almost like you're asleep at a desk he's resting her head on the table and all of a sudden we see uh, a stain on her carpet and megumi actually crawls from that stain comes up and grabs her on the arm she wakes up and she remembers when her boyfriend grabbed her on the arm just like that so geez okay I guess uh, that's that's scary in itself as well. <laughs> so because um, then it's like, were they all trying to tell her something? Uh, she decides to go back to the murder house. She gets there and as she's inside looking around, she hears a girl screaming for her friend Hiromi to let her out. She finds this young lady trying to get out of the front door, screaming for Hiromi, looks around like gets really scared. All of a sudden, Kayoko starts going into labor. She feels stomach pains and you see her stomach moving and then all of a sudden we see Kaiko and hear her death rattle and she's coming down the stairs looking around the corner and that's the end of that story not only was her stomach moving it was also starting to grow and moving like come out more like sticking out more as if something yeah. was growing inside of her but pushing on the skin and the boundaries of the skin quite a bit it was pretty grotesque and some pretty decent body horror the way they did that yeah yeah that was that creeped me out that was art that creeped me out that grossed me out and then when you have kyoko coming down the stairs the motions in the stairs are like we talked about a lot more jerky and here when she's doing the staircase thing again i don't know how they keep making her body look even more grotesquely broken well it's just an actress crawling on her stomach but they succeed so well and the way she moves her head around she had to injure her neck yeah right and the way she just peeks around the stairwall you're just like oh well yeah thanks yeah because she just sort of like drops her head down into position where it's just her body pulling herself along just enough for her head to sort of wiggle its way around to see who it is and all that and then position her head in between the lats in like the staircase's uh, handrail like the little lats that are the support lats she'll go in between them with her with her eye and just kind of stare out with her head hanging upside down or or twist it around just up in the air and looking like it's hanging upside down oh yeah 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 oh god yeah <laughs> yeah it's... what do you do when you see that i'll tell you what you do you just fucking died that's what you do <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's really the pinnacle of the most horrific staircase descent is this long, drawn out one. And not only that, they do it a couple of times where like you just it just keeps happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where we're jumping around in time, so we're seeing it from a bunch of different people's perspectives, and they really drive it home. And it, you think you would get tired of it and be like, oh yes, I get it. But each time it's like even more horrifying. And that's the one I want to talk about. So let's go there. Yeah. All right. So we now go to the story of Chichura, and we see like a trippy view of the city and it streets all that it ends up at the murder house we see this young lady the same young lady who is bashing on the door for her friend uh she's in the house walking around we see toshio is behind her and then all of a sudden she wakes up and she's in bed uh she thinks it was just a nightmare uh she's walking around and her friend Hiromi finds her and they're talking and tells her about a part-time job coming up and maybe they'll get picked to work it all of a sudden she takes a step and she's back in the house in the staircase she goes down to the door and she tries to open it when we see Kayako starting to come down the stairs and the death the the death moan uh all of a sudden then she wakes up and she's in a bus and her friend says hey time to wake up uh, we're needed on set uh that's when they do the run on and we see that's where she screams it's the same girl who screams and fainted after she stares at Kayako on that movie set she does that and what happens is uh she's actually seen Toshio standing there in front of Kyoko touching her belly and that's why she passed out. She's holding on to it and she saw it the entire time that's what made her scream. No one else saw yeah. it no one else was reacting and the way that we revisit it but seeing it from her perspective is really fucking cool. When they start doing this stuff, jumping around in time this is where the movie really takes off. Yeah, this is where everything really starts. It's, it goes to 100 real quick here. Yeah, and they got another Kayoko coming down the staircase which was even more horrifying than the last one and they take a little bit longer. The film yeah. finds a way to do it again later on and you're like oh you think you'd be sick of it you're not you're not definitely not sick of it that it it just works constantly yeah uh now she's back in the house and she hears a knock at the front door and it's her friend Hiromi screaming for her trying to get the door open as we see Kayako's coming for her again uh doing a whole nother entrance again you're fucking freaked out uh the the it's the the, the tension is unbearable um then Hiromi actually gets the door open but it's chained from the inside and the reaching out for one another and we're seeing actually behind Hiromi the director is walking up to the house all of a sudden the girl rips Hiromi's necklace off her neck she wakes back up in the bus again and she flips out because she's holding the necklace so it's not can't just be a dream she runs into this bathroom and she's in kind of like a stall Hiromi's trying to get her to come out wondering what's wrong all of a sudden she looks up and there is Kaeko in there and by the way while she was in the goddamn place uh, she kept dropping in from the house back into the stall, from the house into the stall, house into the stall. All of a sudden, she looks up at the top of the stall. There's Kaeko. She runs out. As she's running down the street, you keep getting flash, flash, flash. She trips. She falls under the street. A soccer ball rolls up to her, and it turns into uh, Toshio's head. You would think that I would consider that completely stupid and just ridiculous and cornball, but it made me pop. I couldn't believe that yeah. it did. Yeah, I thought it was fucking cool, so I... <laughs> I, I, but that does surprise me. I didn't think you would uh, think it was as cool. I didn't know why, but like when the ball rolled in and then she looked away, but then she looked down and it was his head and he just had that same dead stare. I was like, oh shit. I guess I just wasn't expecting it. And it got me. Huh, nice. Yeah. I'm happy uh, that it did, you know, because I felt yeah, right? I felt bad about the photocopy thing not working for me. Well, that I mean, that's what you want too. You you want that. Yeah. I want your ghost you scares to, to work like for that. me. Yeah. I want yeah. to pop. I want that. What's, yes. What's the point of doing any? 
any of this if you don't have the pop. <laughs> right, exactly. So she gets up and runs, but then she hears Hiromi calling for her, and she turns around, and she sees Hiromi is now holding her body on the street. She's dead. And as she spirit looks, she, like, touches Hiromi, and Hiromi feels it, but looks, but there's no one behind her. She's back at the house, and we're back where, like, Hiromi's at the door. Chikuro is behind the door, you know, but the door has the chain link still locked. All of a sudden, Hiromi looks down. She sees Kaeko at her friend's waist. Her friend gets pulled away. We're back on the street, and she holds her friend's dead body, and that's the end of that story. It's really interesting to me the way that they did this, because it feels like she's not only seeing her own demise and what ended up happening being jumped around and how she ended up being pulled into the house from exposure she had to Toshio, but it also shows that her friend is also cursed too and it was her fault for touching her friend upon her own death like that's how she marked her own friend yeah and that is horrific yeah so you got that too right yeah that her friend was just cursed after she got touched yeah we're really seeing some of the mechanics of how this curse is working and how the spirits do end up replicating because she tried to console her friend but what she ended up doing was transferring the terror and fear of her death to her friend who was also exposed anyway and this is just pretty much marking her as next yeah jesus <laughs> now you feel bad <laughs> That's what makes this film work so well is that you do. You feel bad for the people, for the most part, that are being taken from this because for the Especially most part- in this all, movie, I feel bad for everyone. Yeah, because they just wanted to make a fucking show, man, and they just wanted yeah. to make some movies and then boom. And they all seem like good people who are concerned for each other and all that, so it's really sad. Yeah, the director was kind of an asshole at first, but then you see that you know he was just being a bit guarded that day or just was a bit off because he did really genuinely care about the people that he was working with when they all started disappearing hearing it really broke his heart i mean yeah. why else would he investigate all of their disappearances and deaths exactly oh jesus christ <laughs> yeah that's what works so the best about this is it inverts the culture of caring that ha exists over there and just shows how just by trying to take care of each other you end up tombing and cursing each other you really do and it's it's fucking scary uh, <laughs> that an evil would use that against you yes absolutely yeah yeah right and you're just like oh my god it's no wonder it's, i equated this to a virus at the start of the review of these shows of the right that's not bad i mean that's a pretty good <laughs> way to think on that <laughs> yeah we can move on to the next segment if you want all right oh the next segment yikes <laughs> all right story whatever you want to call it yeah Kayako is the next story so uh the director he gets to the murder house and we actually hear the end of Ticharo's story like you hear her scream for the name although when he gets there there's no one there he gets into the door but he finds Kyoto inside go in labor they get to the hospital and you know she is being surrounded by doctors and nurses they're working on her uh on the roof we see her boyfriend in the wheelchair and he is just shaking but he's by himself but he can tell what's coming uh we then start to hear a baby cry and we see the director he hears it and he gets up uh then we go back to the roof and there's just an empty chair and i think we're to assume the boyfriend jumped yeah i think he, either that or he was pushed off but either yeah, way it's going to appear something. that he jumped yeah yeah um all of a sudden we hear a baby crying but everyone in the room looks scared. And that's because we see Toshio standing on Kayoko calling mother, mother. 
and everyone starts freaking out and they all die of fear. The director runs in and he sees everyone that's dead. And then all of a sudden Kaeko crawls out of Kyoto in, in a way that is of giving birth. But also launches. appears like she's crawling down the stairs still the way that she does it and is absolutely yeah. the most horrific fucking thing I've seen in a really long time in a movie. It is so like the sounds <laughs> mixed in with her death rattle and the squishiness. So you get almost an uneasy stomach feeling. And then your nerves are shot because she's slowly crawling and doing that. Oh, that uh, yeah. And that the fact that she's coming crawl. out of another woman and they're both yeah. full-sized women. And yet there's blood everywhere. And it's really just the, the grotesque uh, sound of just the mushy boot stepping into mud as she's coming Ugh. out of the orifice. <laughs> and the fact right. that it looks so unnatural and it's so body horror. And then you also have the horror of her movements and the broken bones still happening. It just <laughs> continuously just becomes like this feedback loop of horrid visual <laughs> just wrong everything about it like especially because they're doing the skip frame motion with the arms and the head as it's moving out but everything else seems to be moving at a normal speed like as what a birth would it's so horrific yeah. I, my brain does not even want to process trying to discuss it, it. i can't I, find words it's awful Oh my just god, so I just couldn't believe awful. it. It was <laughs> awful, but awesome at the same time. Right, it's just so well done. It's like, like I said, it's yeah. most, it was one of the most horrific things I've seen in a long time. It yeah. really was. It was just so horrifying. <laughs> but so good. So good. It was anyway, really well done. That's why it was so horrifying. Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, uh, then it, uh, she launches herself at the director, kills the director. Also, Kyoto, she wakes up and sees all this carnage around her, but also laying there crying is a baby. And she picks up the baby and holds it to her and seems fairly happy about having a baby now well now we cut to a little boy he's just walking down the street he's walking across the pedestrian bridge when he walks past a very tired looking kyoto holding hands with a little girl who is also holding on to kayako's diary she also has kayako's hair now yeah she also has kayako's hair that is correct yeah. and the boy kind of stops and watches him walk and then the little girl stops she kind of looks over the bridge as the mother uh and and drops the book as the mother stop as Kyoto stops and picks up the book and she's just kind of at the top of those stairs and then the little girl pushes her down the stairs and the boy's like holy shit and then the little girl looks back at him and she's got the crazy scary uh Kayako eyes that you don't necessarily want to see <laughs> on anyone particularly a little girl they do a great job with that yeah uh agreed so uh with all that you're like okay well that's bad well, the little girl walks down the stairs uh picks up the book and then uh before you know it uh Kyoto, who's pretty badly injured and dying reaches out to the little girl who does also the still the scary stare at her and when you know she holds out her hand she wants her and uh then Kyoto dies and the little girl walks off while people kind of rush to Kyoto to see what happens. Uh, and she just walks off and walks away and roll credits. So oh. she was forced to raise Kyoko while being tormented the whole time, it looks like, and was basically lost her mind until 
Kayoko was old enough to apparently walk around and take care of herself. And so she just gets rid of her by tossing her down a fucking staircase, leaving her bloody and broken like what happened to her, and then just walks off and leaves her. You can see a couple of adults look at the little girl walking away like, wait, just wait, is she with her? Should, didn't somebody do something about that little girl? Why is she just walking away? But nobody does anything. They just go no, no one, it's no. a, to the woman that's slowly dying on the staircase. And uh, if you watch this with headphones on, the woman, as she finally is starting to die and the people are helping her, makes a slight Kayoko death rattle too right at the end that's true she does I miss that <laughs> oh man and the jumping around in time stuff and all the various Kayoko coming down the stairs when they're jumping around in time and then that final birth where it looks like she's coming down the stairs but just crawling out of a vagina yeah. <laughs> so absolutely horrifying holy Jesus there's no way I would have forgot seeing that before so there's no way I've seen this the whole way through yeah yeah I, I don't think you could have forgotten that but I remember the stuff with the schoolgirls being terrified and Toshio touching the woman's stomach but not knowing what that meant so I had to have caught some of this somewhere yeah, at maybe some point. caught parts and pieces but didn't watch the whole thing yeah I think I decided not to finish it because it was in I basically came in when they were jumping around in time and I had no idea what was going on oh yeah <laughs> I just remembered it being like an actress and this stuff was happening <laughs> or something along those lines but watching the whole thing I can definitely say that I wasn't lying even though I was speaking without authority when I thought I had watched it but I had not seen all of it this film definitely ratchets it up and it definitely becomes a closing because she's been reborn she can go live her life now but the curse is still taking people at the same time so this is like we're right up with the Sadako level of all the attempts that she was making to be reborn in like three different films from four different timelines right Jesus Christ you can't do three films from four timelines but you know what I mean yeah and I got you the math didn't add up but it's there <laughs> yeah it's a good uh, thing that you don't do math as the co-host when I say things like that I, I don't even know what math is so <laughs> it's something that people made up so that they could organize things and put them into little boxes i hate them for it i really do i hate them for it <laughs> oh man this film absolutely horrifying and i i feel like i don't want to jinx us just yet but i feel like this is probably going to be the pinnacle because they I start so. they start trying to do reboots and shit like that from here so um yeah but already just these first four films absolutely horrifying especially if you watch them all back to back like this like we've done if you watch them all in a row and you can see the storylines develop as they go it's so well put together and pretty much everybody that ever comes in contact with anybody that had anything to do with that house or went into that house dies and you see it happen like yeah. nobody makes it out of this series like happy and alive oh that sucks and it's also kind of amazing all at once it's amazing the way they do it but i mean you feel constantly i mean after you watch <laughs> it don't you feel like almost just tired a lot <laughs> there is a certain amount of fatigue but that's because of the way they ratchet it up and the way that they never let go of the tension yeah. and yeah then, and a good it's a good tired because yeah you're like i mean that's how you want to be when you're watching a show like that you know <laughs> yeah most of the time whenever you finish up a scary movie you just need a cigarette if you know what i mean and i think you do yeah yeah, yeah right just yeah <laughs> just to have a good night of sleep <laughs> <laughs> that, that nice release of it all um i've really got nothing else to say about the film we we expanded upon all the stuff that i really liked when i when we went there uh is there anything else you want to say about it before i got nothing no it was really good all right let's do a quick news story and we'll call it quits for everybody all right all right so we're going to take a break right now we're going to play the band scandal and the song shunkan sentimental and we'll have some side news right after this
right, so two of the four things that I am featuring music-wise on this show are from soundtracks to films and or TV shows that I have not watched. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, then. So people who are fans and recognize the music from the thing that this was a soundtrack for are going to probably be upset that I didn't watch the thing that they liked that this was featured uh, in. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully they like it. I picked the song because I like the song, and I had no idea that it was a part of the soundtrack until I tried to do some research about them a little bit later on and then I just decided to stick with it to use as a segue before I say give me some psyops Uh, this comes from our main man, Robert. Our we man in the field. Week's, our man in the field. We did do it last week, so we're doing it this week. He must have an incredibly long penis. It's possible, but hopefully he starts wrapping it up, because from Vice World News, scientists concerned about public health threat as man contracts super gonorrhea. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? I definitely am. I got the Botox Austri- in my scrotum. Uh, the Austrian man contracted the rare strain in Cambodia, with researchers saying it represents a concern for future treatment of gonorrhea. This is like traces of death fucked to porno. A Austrian man in his 50s has been infected with a super potent strain of gonorrhea that can't be treated with common antibiotics after having unprotected sexual encounter during a trip to Cambodia. Did he stick the needle down his pee hole? If he did, yes, and he didn't use protection. Blood the jizz. case Blood jizz. documented in the peer-reviewed medical journal uh, Euro Surveillance last week was described by the researchers to be a concern for future treatment of gonorrhea and a major global public health threat. Oh, he's looking for Wang. In April, five days after having unprotected sex with a sex worker in Cambodia. Mostly because I put my penis inside of you bareback. Yeah, but why would you have unprotected sex, first of all, at all with anybody, but more than that, a sex worker? Mostly because I put my penis inside of you bareback. I I understand. I'm just saying. MacGyver ain't got shit on me. Give me a fucking paperclip, some chewed up bubble gum, and a string. I'll get whatever dildo you need out of you. It's true. I can do that. That is, that's a fact. My HPV will cure what ails you. (laughs) Well, I don't think so. Um, see here. Yes, it would be safer for the sex worker and everyone else if you wear condoms. Because it's just safer that way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) well, anyway, uh, the man was seen by a urologist in Austria after he complained of painful urination and discharge flowing out the tip of his penis. Don't threaten to cut off my cock for $60. And there's a lot of weighing around. Diagnosed with gonorrhea, he was initially prescribed regular antibiotics. It's the erection that counts. Elevated two weeks later, and a swab culture test on his samples returned negative. But a PCR test done on his urethral sample showed that he was still positive for gonorrhea. This is like traces of death fucked to porno. A result doctors considered a possible treatment failure. After seven days of taking amoxicillin, clavacic acid, another antibiotic treatment for gonorrhea, the man's urethra sample again returned negative in a culture test. He did not receive a PCR test a second time. Scientists concluded, however, that the gonorrhea strain was highly resistant to common antibiotics like sertefazone and asertin. Had to pick the super gonorrhea when you knew there was going to be scientific terms, man. I know. Shooting a fucking hot load all over this dog. 
2018, load all over this dog. the first such case of super gonorrhea, dubbed the Q strain, was identified in the United Kingdom, shortly followed by two more cases in Australia. Shoot some all fucking these, ropes. All these cases also had links to Southeast Asia, and the Euro Surveillance Report noted, if such strains managed to establish sustained transmission, many gonorrhea cases might become untreatable, the author said. This is not if, the sickness with which I am down. <laughs> If left untreated, gonorrhea, including asymptomatic cases, can be result in infertility and an increased risk of HIV. I make money Sim- from my sex work. Symptoms in yeah, but use protection. Symptoms in men typically include painful urination, swelling in one testicle, and a pus-like discharge from the penis or the rectum. OMG, Sim- a jizz drinking game. Symptoms in women include a painful sensation when peeing, increased vaginal discharge, and bleeding between periods. Gonorrhea, which is caused by the bacteria Nessera gonorrhea, is the second most commonly sexually transmitted infection worldwide after chlamydia. The World Health Organization estimates that 82 million people were infected with gonorrhea in 2020, with antimicrobial resistance an increasing uh, increasing cause for concern. According to the WHO, gonorrhea developed antimicrobial... Gonorrhea developed resistance at the beginning of the 20th century. Resistance has continued to expand since then, it said, citing increased resistance uh, of gonorrhea to last-line antibiotics, such as the ones that were already listed before. I'm not trying to say those words again. (laughs) Experts worry that the rise of such cases might render current treatment ineffective, potentially resulting in sexually transmitted global epidemic. Uh, the microbe appears to be emerging as a superbug. Dr. Magnus Unimo, uh, the head of the World Health Organization's Collaborative Center for Gonorrhea and Other Sexually Transmitted Infections in Sweden, told The New Yorker far back as 2012, This is what we have feared for many years. Uh, the Cambodian sex worker believed to also be carrying gonorrhea has not been identified. And uh, Korn, a project manager at Cambodian Women for Peace and Development, an NGO working with sex workers, said that despite Cambodia's success in bringing down HIV rates, once the highest in Asia, access to contraceptives remain an issue. With COVID-19 outbreak, we found that sex workers have difficulty accessing health care. Uh, he told Vice World News, we also found that inter- female entertainment workers can't access condoms. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah, it's dumb. Uh, there's an estimated 70,000 known female entertainment workers in the country as of 2019, including sex workers and those who work in entertainment venues like massage parlors and karaoke lounges. These women often come from poor families and migrate to urban areas for work. So, uh, careful out there, folks. Be <laughs> safe and let's get some of these sex workers the access to medical care and contraceptives that they'll need. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. That became a serious downer, all because you wanted to just tell a story about super gonorrhea, my man. Listen, man, when I see our man of the field, Robert, the man, (laughs) post a story, I fucking read the story. That's all I do, all right? I see Robert post a story, I read the story. That's how this fucking goes. If you want a fear boner. That too. It's gonna (laughs) cost you some serious cock. Yes, that super gonorrhea is going to cost yeah, yeah, you some serious would. cock. It would cost you some serious cock. That's the truth. Yeah, definitely wrap it up, folks. Definitely. No shit. <laughs> well, speaking of wrapping it up, I think it's time that we wrapped up this show. I'm going to play the Ending Legion promo, and right after that, I'm going to play Go, Go, 7188 with Kinkiora Renai. <laughs> 
and I probably pronounced that wrong. I'm sorry if I did. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. So that was Go, Go, 7188 with Kinkiora Renai. Again, I'm probably mispronouncing that, and I'm sorry that I am, but I am who I am. <laughs> I am who I am. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. At least I'm trying. At least I'm trying. That's Deal even with that. That's even without putting it in, like, phonetically, because I didn't have time today, because, you know, we were trying to get this squeezed in with the holiday and all the yeah. other bullshit going on in our lives. But nobody cares about any of that. They're just going to make fun of me for fucking it up. Yeah, pretty much. That's just how it goes. <laughs> right. Well, if you'd like to find other instances where we just basically try to forget that we were fucking up and basically putting it on you to lay the blame on us, you can find all of those other instances that has happened the 359th previous times that we've done that on legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. We're also available in meme form as cinema underscore psyops on the Instagrams where I post thrice daily during the work week for the working person yeah. during my working hours. <laughs> all them working people during all your working hours. Trying to make your memes <laughs> delivered to you in such a way as to encourage you to make it through the rest of your working day. Right? Jesus. We need help. <laughs> Other places that you can find the memes, folks, if you don't want to know anything about having to do with that working bullshit, just go directly to our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps. I share everything right there. Yeah. 
Good job. You even get extra special bonus memes in that group because I post things directly to the group without sharing it everywhere else. Oh, that's nice. I do that as Court PsyOps on Facebook because that's the easiest to find me. Of course. Well, the last thing to say is uh, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com where you can send me your various diatribes, explanations, links about stuff having to do with the grudge films, anything that I got wrong, anything that I got right, nothing at all because you just want to send me spam about what your company may be releasing and why aren't I covering it and why aren't I interviewing your actors or actresses. Yeah. What's going on with that? <laughs> I don't know. But while you're out there working hard to try and promote your shit, kick the fuck out of this weekend. <laughs> make it your finish. For a second there, I thought I wasn't going to be able to hear you. I was like, oh, fuck, what now? <laughs> now what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you heard that, I'm assuming. Yep. All right, start recording on your side. Oh, shit, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. All right, we're recording some fuck up. It's all on film or on whatever this is. Uh, digital audio file? There you go. Yeah, so you're definitely the blue snowball. Waveform looks good. Yep. I'm looking at my counter. It just rolled over to 41 seconds, so I'm good there. <laughs> and uh, just give me one second. Just start doing like the ABCs just for me real quick. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. All right, good. You're good. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it was sound was only going into my Bluetooth speakers and not also coming out of the laptop speaker. That has happened before. <laughs> I wonder if that may be that one week that we had the audio where you could hear me really well. No, no. it's uh, I had it turned up, and I'll show you. I should have showed you yesterday, but I'll show you. The, the headphones were not noise-canceling, so they didn't surround my ears. They're just almost like the old-style Walkman headphones you would wear. So, of course, that's going to have more stuff coming out. Yeah, it happens. It's no biggie. And you did hear this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all good, man. We'll figure it out one way or the other. Cool. Well, I, yeah, and I just want to make sure it's so you have enough time to actually edit the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> right, I want to make sure it's not something where we're all getting fucked. Okay. Well, uh, enough of that horse shit. Let's, uh, let's do this uh, final. You're finally. Lunch. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to get into this one. <laughs> right. Because, you know, good audio file and all. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold your water on that and let's just start yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm sorry, I walked all over you. I was just agreeing with you. No, that's I was done. We're good. Okay. And also without, you know, Bollywood type music playing in the background constantly, it actually, you know, the creep factor, you know, went. <laughs> I did get you a better print of the other film so you can go back and enjoy it at your leisure. Yeah, I, I can't wait to do that because, yeah, you told me that. I'm, oh, thank God, because I need to watch that. <laughs> it's um, so much fucking more terrifying. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, uh, anywho, uh, to anywho, uh, and then they go to check, uh, they go to check, uh, their other, they, they uh, ooh, sorry. 
while you're out there working hard to try and promote your shit, kick the fuck out of this weekend. Make it your bitch. <laughs> Dude, they thought I was going to do a dig at them, but I flipped it around yeah. on that. Yeah, you did. It. Yeah, you made it. Made him. Now they're like, oh, we're going to send him more messages <laughs> because he likes us. <laughs> it's some here and there, but. I'm not going to do them. <laughs> yeah. No, fuck that shit. Stupid. <laughs> I do weird old shit that I may have may not already seen. I don't do new and improved. Yeah, right? I mean, what are we doing around here? <laughs> <laughs> we should be stopping the show. Yes. All right. I am fucking done.